From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. I am sure that in some way, we can all relate to this. I had this kind of entrepreneurial drive in me, but I had absolutely no idea what to do, where it came from. We want to do something, maybe something big or at least something interesting. And we feel like we have what it takes. We just don't know what it is. I definitely went through that. And the guy you just heard, well, he figured it out in a big, big way because he is one of the founders of Summit and, in fact, is the guy who really started it all. And what is Summit? Oh, I am sure you've heard of it. Summit is a series of invitation-only events known for creating a global community of amazing thinkers, entrepreneurs, academics, athletes, artists, and more, and then putting them together in incredible experiences, whether that's on a mountain or a boat or interesting cities or just on stage, like when they had Jeff Bezos in conversation with his brother, Mark. But if any of you do get confused, I'm the one with the smaller bank account to your left. (laughs) And here's the really cool thing. All of that was never really the goal. It was never even the point. It was just the product of a certain kind of thinking, a thinking in which you approach an idea. And then when it doesn't work, you realize that the problem is that you weren't thinking big enough. So, okay, let's back up and let me introduce you to that guy you heard at the very beginning. So my name is Elliot Bisno, and I'm one of the co-founders of Summit. And he is also, with his co-founders, the co-author of a new book about the history of Summit called Make No Small Plans. So we started Summit 13 years ago in 2008, and this book is a five-year story. The book covers about 1,500 days, right? And it's basically, the book is our journey from zero to hero with a lot of stumbles along the way, or our journey from zero to trying to become a hero. And, you know, zero meaning, you know, no connections, no jobs, no college degrees. And to start, no real idea of what to do or build. Or once you had an idea of what to do, no idea of how to build it. And that's the story, more or less, that I want to zero in on today. I talked to Elliot about this very particular moment, the moment in which he tried something, didn't really even know what he was trying, and then realized that maybe he was onto something, but he was thinking way too small. This is sometimes the problem with a big idea. We just don't realize how big it can get. So today... On Problem Solvers, it is Elliot trying to solve the problem of an idea that wasn't big enough and how it ultimately turned into something giant. Coming up after the break. Entrepreneurs face so many challenges and questions throughout their journey. This makes getting thoughtful answers to your most important questions so important. The Entrepreneurs Group at UBS Financial Services Private Wealth Management is led by private wealth advisors who were former entrepreneurs and who were once in your shoes. Their daily focus is using their vast experience advising entrepreneurs, plus being entrepreneurs in the past themselves, to be an insightful resource to help our entrepreneur listeners answer some of your most important personal and related business financial questions. Get a copy of their most recent Forbes article on eight fatal mistakes when selling your business and how to avoid them at ubs.com slash entrepreneurs group. Again, ubs.com slash entrepreneurs group. UBS Financial Services is a member of FINRA and SIPC. All right, we're back. 
So again, talking today to Elliot Bisno of Summit, who, along with his co-founders, just wrote a great book about the history called Make No Small Plans, Lessons on Thinking Big, Chasing Dreams, and Building Community. So before we get into exactly where the idea for Summit or the proto idea for Summit came from, let's talk about where Elliot and his entrepreneurial aspirations came from. I applied to a bunch of colleges and like some of us, I didn't get into any of the ones I applied except for one school. And so I went to the only school I got into, which is the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And I loved it. As soon as I got there, I did not have any money. And I was just from just basically the moment I got there, I, I was in this, this realization had dawned on me that I, I couldn't get any of the things I wanted. I couldn't afford the food I wanted. You know, it'd be like freezing cold, like zero degrees in, in, in Wisconsin and the ATM right next to my dorm charged an extra $2. And I would walk like six blocks to a free ATM. It was, you know, I came from like a nice upbringing, but everything kind of provided for me in our family refrigerator to on my own in the middle of the country. So, you know, and I also had this kind of, I had this kind of entrepreneurial drive in me, but I had absolutely no idea what to do, where it came from. So in my dorm room, you know, and there's like 10,000 kids per class at the University of Wisconsin, I think like 40,000 kids go there. The RA, the resident advisor, a couple floors below me, like one day I was walking down that hallway and their door was open. And I, I for whatever reason, I, I looked in and they were screen printing t-shirts and I asked them like, oh, like, what are you doing? They said, they're screen printing t-shirts. I said, okay, well, like who hired you to do that? And he said, no, I like took some savings. I brought us, bought a screen printing machine and I have my own small business. And I they couldn't fathom this. Okay, well, like, I, I don't understand. Oh, well, I'm the resident advisor. He told me, and that pays for me to live here at, at the university. And, you know, that covers my room and board. And then I'm screen printing t-shirts and make a thousand bucks a month. And that's how I pay for tuition. And like my mind was blown. Like I called my parents. This kid says he works for himself. He says he doesn't have to get a job. It's a very um, boring concept for people. Bananas. I mean, th there was zero people growing up who were, had parents who were entrepreneurs. Like I, I just didn't even fathom. You know, when I would read stories of like successful entrepreneurs, it didn't occur to me that they had started with absolutely nothing. Like I, I absolutely could not fathom it. So yeah. It's one of those uh, moments, and I think these are important moments in people's lives, and entrepreneurship is such a great representation of it, but it isn't the only representation of it where you discover that the boundary is not where you thought it was. Like I remember as a guy who makes things for a living, watching certain movies or reading books and seeing that they were produced in a way in which I did not know it was possible to create or write. And I thought, oh, the boundary is not where I thought it was. And that's what you're describing, which is just a great revelation that you thought work happens in a certain way and money is made in a certain way. And then you see this guy doing something that is way outside of where you thought the boundary was. And now you don't know where the boundary is, which is thrilling, but also a little scary because now you don't know the rules anymore. Yes. So I accidentally, I discovered this concept, like looking back, I realized, let's call it negative space where it's like, let's just say you drive an Uber, but between rides, you have this like extra unintended space, but between rides, you're listening to podcasts. And over the course of six months, you devour like 500 hours of knowledge and information, right? Or you're working at a desk and between people that come to the front desk, you're studying and you you know, are studying for the bar, right? And like the negative space is kind of this, this unintended, unintended space, right? Like I go to pick you up at the airport and I have this ride there for an hour that I can make a call. So 
I really want to be an entrepreneur in college and I want to jump into this, this, this story you asked me about. Yeah. These cold calls and, and what, what is negative space and what does that mean? But I decided, you know, when I was in business, when I was in college, I saw this guy, he had his own business. I decided like, I want to be an entrepreneur. This is my dream. It kind of clicked, you know, over a series of a couple of weeks. Like I kept going back to the RA. How do you do this? What do you mean? You have your own business. And, you know, I basically spent the next two years of college trying to start a business. It did enough, nothing worked that I tried. I couldn't get clients. I couldn't get t-shirts. My dad, meanwhile, as I finished my sophomore year, he had decided to start his own small business. He had never started a business before. And right after he started, I said, Hey, you know, could I be the salesperson? And it was an online newsletter. And I, I asked him, you know, could I sell ads? And I'll, I'll kind of cold call to sell ads. So I decided I'm going to take a semester off from school. I'm going to move, you know, back home, back to my childhood bedroom, and I, you know, I'm, I'm really going to pursue this dream. Like I've grown up a lot since I've been co- been at college. The goal of college is, I think, besides growing up, is to be able to position yourself for life after school, be able to get a job. I thought, wow, well, this is kind of I can have my own job, my own startup. So. I moved back into my parents' house. And over the next year, I was cold calling and trying to build a business. And in the process of that, and, and coming back to this concept of like negative space or the, the thing next to what I was trying to do became the thing. Like there's so many startups, like it turned out Slack, that was like the internal you know, software they built to power their other thing. Right. Right. And then Slack became the business. Right. So I'm trying to build uh, this business with my dad. And I realized like I have no connections. I don't know anyone. I don't know what I'm doing. Even if I stayed in school, like all the things I need to learn, I'm not being taught. I don't know how to build a startup. I don't know how to onboard employees. I don't even know how to train employees. I don't know how to make the employees feel. I, I don't know any, I literally don't know anything. And I'm kind of like learning it all on the fly. And I had this idea. Like, what if I start calling people that I know and I try to get them together to do kind of like a weekend long trip, right? And I'd never been invited to any conferences or events. So I started cold calling some successful people that I'd met in Washington, D.C., where I was living and I would invite them to this to this trip. And I called someone who ran a, you know, was a real estate broker. And I called someone who ran a furniture company. And I called some, one of my fr- friends who worked at an, you know, an insurance agency. And, and every single person said no to my invitation, right? Like I called these people, I said, Hey, I really want to get together and, you know, just like trade ideas on, on what it's like to be in business. Like I, I I'm just like going, 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 but I don't know anything. So in the book, we like share that I share this story that I had this big idea. I cold called everybody and everybody said no. And in fact, I would say, I want to throw this trip. And someone said like, you're just an ad salesman. Like, why would I trust you to throw a trip? And like all these people said no. And I like realized like I called like a couple dozen people. I had literally a couple dozen no's, not a single yes. And I like sat back thinking about it. And I thought, you know, maybe I should try to call entrepreneurs. The problem with the entrepreneurs is like they were like a bit higher than me. And now I was going to really have to cold call people I'd read about. So what happened by accident is when I called these people, like in their nature, they were entrepreneurial. And so when they heard my pitch, they didn't think I was crazy. Like they saw some of themselves in me. Right. And I said, Hey, I have this idea. I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I dropped out of college. I have this small business and I really want to get 20 people together who don't know each other so we can trade ideas. And they, for suddenly, they didn't think it was crazy. And I think we end the chapter where, like, in that moment, as soon as I had this more outlandish, like, bigger entrepreneurial list of names, 
that was kind of the moment moment summit was born. Like me realizing like, wow, there's all these people out there who they don't think I'm crazy. Like they all also took these crazy leaps. They all also started businesses or left something that was a safe career. And so I started, when I started cold calling these folks, suddenly they started saying yes. Now, I just want to interrupt here to say that although he got people to say yes, and ultimately he did gather a bunch of impressive people together. He had no idea what he was doing. He, he he had no idea what to do with these people. He had no idea how to really host them or host anything interesting. But people had fun anyway, and it, it took on a life of its own and thus evolved uh, into Summit. So that's something that you get in the book. But I, I just wanted to put in that context because we're not going to quite go into that direction, but instead dig into what all of this meant and what we can learn from it for developing big ideas. So, okay, now here's back to the interview, me talking to Elliot. Yeah. Okay. Here's why I want to dig into this story. I love it because your initial effort fell into a strange donut hole. Follow me here. Most people who start a business or who aspire to be an entrepreneur have the kind of initial realization that you did, which is, I don't know people who are doing this and I could really use some advice and some people to talk to and some models to follow. And what most people do is they stay quite small with that, which is to say maybe they just start reaching out to individual people and they say things like, will you mentor me or will you get coffee with me or something? And maybe eventually they get somebody to sit down with them and hopefully they develop some kind of relationship. That's quite small. You did not do that. You started to think bigger, but the idea that you had was not big enough. You were reaching out to people who didn't really understand what you're doing. And also, let's be honest, the thing that you were proposing didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But what you ultimately decided to do was instead of shrink down to the scale in which this thing usually happens, where people are just reaching out to other individuals, you decided to make it even bigger. Because as it turns out, this idea was not a terrible one. It's just that it needed to be bigger in order to work. Scale was the solution to this crazy problem that you had. Because if you could get enough very impressive people who all wanted to be with each other, then they might say yes to getting together in a way that the original people who didn't, you know, you were reaching out to people who were like salespeople and they're in real estate or whatever. And they have no use to, they have no use for each other. They have no reason to get together. And so your medium-sized idea didn't work. It either had to be very small or it had to be very big. And you opted for big. So my question to you is, now looking back upon this, and at this point, you've grown Summit, but you've also been involved in and invested in so many businesses that you can see some patterns yourself. How do you know when your idea is right and your scale is wrong? How do you know that you're onto something and that the thing that you're doing isn't just completely stupid and you need to back away from it? Well, I think you know one of the reasons why it's so important if you're an investor to not get sucked into startups that raise monster seed rounds or monster A rounds is because you need, if a thousand people are in love with a new band that just came out with their first album, like the chances are that band's going to get subtraction, right? And I think in that same vein, like there's a reason why every great company basically you know, started in a garage, if you will, whether it's Google or Facebook or Netflix and it's you know small little DVD mailing business, like they all prove the model. And so I think I am a very passionate about companies or organizations that start very small and prove their models. 
And mm. if you have an initial cohort of customers that love what you're doing, that's why it makes sense, whether it's to scale or raise capital, a little bit later on, it makes sense. But I, I really worry about you know companies that try to scale from the very beginning. And, and often these great companies and products, they take a number of pivots. There's something that we nailed with that first summit of 20 people, but there was a lot that we were missing. Right. And as we scaled up, we realized, wow, well, here's a bunch of problems we're running into. Like the first event was really great because everyone's connecting, but the next one, you know, we don't have any content. So we had to tweak what Summit was and we actually had to, we actually had to add real programming and real speakers. And we had to add music and we had to add nightlife and we had to add a, you know, had to add a team. And I don't think it was, you know, for a few years in that we realized like that this thing could really work. And I think also the way that you think about what you're starting, you know, my inherent problem when I first pitched this concept of, of getting people together is the initial group of people I pitched. I said, let's get random people together. And they all thought it was a terrible idea. And when I pitched the second person, the second group of entrepreneurs, I think what kind of came across was I'm putting together a millennial version of head conference. And there was a shift in my pitch as I went to this different group of people. Hey, I'm doing a younger version of the Davos conference. And so I think just that pitch and like the narrative of what Summit could be also changed the way people thought what it could be. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, more of my conversation with Elliot. Are you ready to take your business to the next level and looking for that push, that guidance, that inspiration to help get you there? Well, then what you need is Entrepreneur Insider. Entrepreneur Insider is a membership-based program created by the editors of Entrepreneur Magazine and Entrepreneur.com. It provides insights and advice from industry experts along with exclusive benefits like access to premium online articles, videos, webinars, a weekly newsletter, and an ad-free experience on Entrepreneur.com. Plus, you get a free one-year subscription to Entrepreneur Magazine. Don't miss out. Become an Entrepreneur Insider for just $5 per month today and start boosting your business knowledge and growing your brand. Visit entrepreneur.com slash insider to unlock your access today. Again, that is entrepreneur.com slash insider. All right, we're back and jumping right back in. I'm going to throw a theory at you, which is that a minute ago, I was casting this as an example of going big instead of going small. And that's true, but let's keep it in context. Going big in this case, in that very first one, was just getting 20 people together in an event that wasn't all that well planned out. And what I think that it actually represents, and this is why I love the answer that you gave me, which was, look, start small, think big but don't go big at first, is that what you really did was you did a big version of the small thing, which enables you and enables any entrepreneur to stretch, to see what the limits are of the idea as they have it, to not overextend themselves. It's the difference between thinking big, like you just said, you go out, raise a bazillion dollars. You, you, you know, you don't want to be involved in a startup that's going to go out, raise a bazillion dollars and try to launch out of nowhere globally because it's too much risk. You haven't really tested this thing out. You haven't grown naturally. You don't know exactly what your market is or who your customer is, but there is absolutely no problem. And in fact, you probably should think big about small. Wherever you are right now, don't try to think crazy. Just think a little bigger than the thing that you're doing. I'm throwing that as the theory. What do you think? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I spoke to someone a few days ago and they want to launch a design agency and they have all these big ideas. And all that really matters is, you know, who is your first client? What is the product you're producing for them? How beautiful is it? Okay, then focus on your second client, then your third client. You know, you get some great testimonials and in a couple months from now or half a year from now, let's assess, like, how does it work? You know, how is how is your agency's messaging evolved? How is your agency's branding evolved? Have you now brought a couple team members in? Like, it's okay to keep the big goal in your mind in the distance, but you have to do the little steps. And I think, you know, there there is a real truth to, you know, what they call the hockey stick, where, you know, these, these great companies... Companies spend you know years and years where it really appears like they're not growing. Whether it's a you know a Shopify or an Uber, but really they're just building the infrastructure. They're building the base. They're building you know they're building what the product is going to be for the clients. And then once they have it, they that that's where you know the metaphorical hockey stick where you can begin to scale right. And it's just there's there's no bigger disaster than trying to scale too early and not having the infrastructure or the systems in place. But it's so good to have the idea of what it could be and yet be open to revising that idea. That's something that I'm hearing from you. I like I like your example of, look, you start with one customer, then you expand to a second, then you expand to a third. Along the way, you might have an idea of what your company looks like if you have 100, 1,000, 10,000 clients. You're not there yet. But it's good to think, what does the information that I have now and what do the actions that I'm taking now lead me to in the future. And you could revise that along the way. You should revise that along the way. Just like I, for example, I mean, Elliot, before we started recording, you were asking me a bunch of questions about my own career and the things that I was building. And the thing I didn't tell you as I was explaining this was like at every step, every time I learned something new, every time I tried some new project, I had some idea of how five, 10 years from now that could translate into some other thing. Oh, now I'm running a big media production company or, oh, I do this. And and then in the future, my entire income comes from public speaking or whatever. I, I always had some idea, but I was always revising it because I didn't want to get locked into what's a large version of my career looks like such that I was making limited decisions about the small steps that I could take. Instead, I was thinking and acting small, but at the same time, testing big. Yeah. I mean, w- one constant, one thing that I, I've seen every single time. So I, I love investing in startups and I took basically every dollar I ever made from the time I was 20 years old and I invested the money into startups, probably approaching a hundred startups at this point. And every single one, including all the great ones have made many, many, many pivot, mini pivots inside the business, right? Like Uber just, you know, started with just black cars. And that's just a very small part of their business today, right? Now their now their business is UberX and Uber Pool and Uber Eats. Like who who takes an Uber black car? Like, like you know, it's it's barely their business. I don't think I've right? ever you done can, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look at Warby Parker and their initial business was, you know, just affordable eyeglasses. And that's just a part of their business now. They've now decided to launch all these retail stores and the sunglasses business. And you can just you can go through any business and look at how they started to where they are now. And so I think the journey of entrepreneurship is one of lots of mini, mini shifts or mini pivots or mini additions or mini switches. And so it's when you go really big at the beginning, you don't give yourself that chance. And I think that's why like all great startups spend a few, at least a few years being quite small and iterating to have a great product. And so, you know, with Summit, like the concept was good that young entrepreneurial people across diverse industries want to get together and meet each other. 
but that's just the start of the product. It turned out they also, they wanted to listen to great content. They wanted to, you know, us to set up sessions where they could actually, you know, a lot of them are introverts and it's not so easy to just walk up to random people and say hello. They wanted us to facilitate connections for them. They wanted us to program the events in exciting, fun locations. So, you know, they could actually come to a summit event and also feel like they're getting a vacation from work right? Like they didn't want us to do the events like in the cities that they already work in. Like there are a lot of counterintuitive things uh, that happen. And like, if you look at, you know, what Summit ended up becoming versus what it was at the beginning, there were all these mini tweaks and shifts and, and pivots to what would become the Summit events. So Elliot, as a final thought, I'd love for you to extract some lesson that you took through that journey of pivoting. How did you take a look at what you were doing at any one time and say, I think that this could be improved upon? Because look, you could try a million different things. You could throw everything you have at it. But what was the guiding force that helped you say, this, I think, is the thing that's worth trying to get us bigger, to get us better, to get us more in touch with serving our client and getting to whatever our big idea is? Yeah, I mean, the best thing that we ever did was at the beginning of the company, and that, that's what, our, like I said, our book is about five years, about 1,500 days, right? At the beginning of the company, my co-founders and I and the early team members, we all lived together. And we lived in just this iterating house of ideas, and we were just all building our dream. And all we did all day and all night was talk about everything, right? And as we're building, like I hate the notion of, of like going by yourself to a quiet room to come up with the, the big fix. Like I'm going to take a weekend off by myself and I'm going to go solve this thing in silence, right? Like there's, there's a place for sitting in silence and meditating, but there's a place for thinking and reading. But I, I tend to think that, you know, problems are solved with groups of passionate, connected people like talking through them, not just one day, hey, Jason, we're going to this meeting for 90 minutes Thursday at 2 p.m. But like at our best, it was every single day for 1500 days straight, like the team was together, innovating, pivoting, talking, discussing, you know, it was like, it was like the dinner conversation that just, you know, there's always one person who has the interesting topic and you kind of gravitate to that person and what they're doing. And it's like, it was just, it was nonstop. And, and I cannot stress enough the importance of having co-founders, and or teammates, and that the only reason you're building a, your business is because it's your dream. Yeah, the future is not built Thursday at 2 p.m. Elliot, thank you so much for sharing this. I, it's a really valuable perspective. And the book is called Make No Small Plans. I'm so excited to read it. And I'm sure so many people are going to get a lot of value from it. Cool. Thanks, Jason. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.